welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Entrepreneur. My name's Sina. I love following the journeys of other young entrepreneurs. In this episode, I spoke with Hannah Chapet, the founder of Hiber, a student housing platform aiming to make the whole process of finding a student house as painless as possible while protecting the student. And we talked about how Hannah tested the idea of Hiber without even building any technology. It's an absolutely great case study of how to, how to do that, test the idea without actually building a technology, spending any money and stuff like that. And also how Hyper grew with zero marketing spend through joining Facebook groups, student ambassadors, and a lot of cold calling. <laughs> a technique that you probably wouldn't think of, but it works wonders for Hyper, and they're still using it today, which is amazing. And also how Hannah raised £100,000 through angel investment and is planning to raise more. We unfortunately don't have time for a shout out this episode, but we will be back with a shout out in the next episode. So please do keep leaving your ratings on Apple Podcasts, written reviews, and I will give you a shout out in the next episode. I give you my word. Anyway, let's get on with the episode. Hey, Hannah, how are you doing? Very good, thanks. It's great to have you on the podcast because we've been obviously speaking for a while and Hyber is a startup that I've known about for a while, given that we went to the same university. We never actually met until sort of a few weeks ago. But yeah, I think it, I think this episode will be a very good episode because you've got a lot of sort of key teachings that you've done, especially during the beginning of starting Hyber. Yeah, no, it's been a real journey. And yeah, I'm excited to speak to you. Thanks for having me. No, great. That's that's my pleasure. So I think like it'll be amazing to just jump in straight away with, I guess, like introducing Hyber. So what is what is Hyber? Hyber is a student accommodation platform that supports first time renters. The idea came about while I was a student at university and I was shocked by the countless students every year that go through the same ordeal and absolutely hate renting. I've never spoken about Hyper without someone telling me a horror story about how they got taken advantage of and how they just didn't know what they were doing and got kind of exploited. So I kind of thought, why isn't there a platform that looks after the students' interests, helps them understand background checks, contracts, the obligations um, during the tenancy, and it's just there for support throughout the year. So that's what we're doing at Hyber. Yeah, I mean, for, for reference, like the, the student sort of accommodation landscape in Bristol, which is obviously where you must have experienced the problem, is pretty, pretty rubbish. Like it's <laughs> it's awful. So we probably don't have time to like talk about all the atro- atrocities in one sort of podcast, but it is pretty bad. So I can see why you got the idea because <laughs> it is pretty bad. Yeah. But I guess like how did you kind of like, obviously you saw the problem there that sort of students might be being a bit ex- exploited. You know, the fees are crazy high. People don't understand the sort of legal stuff behind it. All of this sort of stuff. Like horror story number one, my mate had a, had like he bought, obviously he he got his tenancy, moved in. And he just, they didn't have, he didn't have a kitchen. They just removed the kitchen. Oh so he didn't have God. a kitchen for ages. <laughs> yeah. And he, was, he couldn't, he couldn't do anything because there was a bit of small print in the contract or whatever. So it was just like, okay, cool. So yeah, it's pretty bad. But how did you kind of see that problem? And how did you start Hyber, I guess, at the beginning when it was just an idea? Well, so all of our competitors, like the traditional letting agents or accommodation portals are built for the landlord agents. So you want to turn that whole premise on its head and build a product for the student. Letting agents are paid by landlords to protect their interest. Hence, it's often like a letting agent and a legal team versus a student. So we want to create a platform or we are creating a platform that's tailored to the student. And by doing so, this also helps a landlord because a happy student is a happy landlord, less headaches for them throughout the year. Um, But to begin with, so I graduated from university in July 2019 and then spent that summer kind of thinking through the problem with my housemate and putting together a business plan and then 
built a, a very base actually I didn't I went out and started pitching to landlords so I knew I had the student story like I understood the student pain points used to stand outside the library getting insights from different students handing out snacks make them talk to me um, and heard lots of stories like the one about your friend in the kitchen um, that's probably how I saw you though, yeah. just to like, hang around the library probably probably <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, so then I started calling up landlords I, I had rented through or my friend's landlords to figure out where what their issues were in the current market and then what they thought about Hiber, kind of adapting the model as, as I spoke to different landlords. And then pitched to a landlord, got his kind of properties, quickly rushed home to make a Squarespace website so I could advertise those properties. And then it kind of went from there. That's crazy. So you you basically got the, the phone numbers of the landlords from your friends obviously from like their contracts or like yeah. they must have had their phone numbers called up a few what did what did you say um so i just kind of said how do you advertise to to students what are your kind of biggest issues get them kind of speed talking um say that we wanted to be this platform that would find you tenants way faster than other competitors and way better tenants. Because if we support te student tenants, if we help them understand what they're getting themselves into and make them feel like we're on their side, it will just mean a much better relationship for you. So we kind of really played up the support piece and also understanding the student mindset, understanding how to infiltrate student markets with like campaigns, ambassadors, social media. I mean, you'd say to a landlord that, you know, you're really good on Instagram and they think, wow, you know, you really must know what you're talking about. Um, so yeah, then getting our first landlords on board and they really just shared the same vision of wanting to improve the student accommodation market for the better um, and just went from there. But I guess like that's quite a big step in the business because it's obviously you you took the landlords away from the sort of traditional letting agents and like the already existing infrastructure and you kind of sold them that dream. You didn't have anything to show them, yeah. but you like they they came to you. So I guess like how did you kind of earn their trust at the beginning when like you didn't really have anything to stand by? It just playing up on the pain points, just like the fact that they as a landlord, they'd either go to a letting agent, have to hand over a large part of their kind of commission of their rent, but the letting agent does everything for them, or they have to use open rent and like pl other platforms like that, but they'd have to do a bulk of the work themselves pay very little but have to do a lot themselves still so we were sitting in the middle we were saying you get the kind of experience you get from a letting agent really personalized um but you can pick and choose different services for a fraction of the cost so it was just talking to them about their issues and then just saying okay right that we'll build that in our platform we'll make sure that you're catered for and just yeah just having a close relationship with both sides so that you can kind of keep on molding your product to suit their needs mm. that's really interesting that you went for the sort of la like landlords first because Obviously, when it comes to these sort of like two-sided platforms, uh, like what's what's always kind of recommended is you get the side on that's kind of like um, there's more value for for the other side if you get them on. So like for landlords, obviously there's more value for the students to to like because the, for the landlords, for instance, they could have their property on like multiple different platforms, right? Yeah. There's there's like there's like very little cost for them. Yeah. So they, they the likelihood of them saying yes is fairly high. So yeah, what was the next step? You, you set up that Square, Squarespace website yeah. and then what? Um, and then our number one kind of uh, channel that was directed from our website and that's still our number one channel is Facebook. Using Facebook groups, um, again, really good way to get customer feedback as well, figure out where where students struggle, where they, what they need help with and just engaging with like student communities, offering different properties, get finding out 
what students want offering free consultation like okay you want this property here in this location and then you call up landlords okay I've got a really great group of students they want a property here and then connect the two that's kind of how it started what was the sort of like I guess key key offering from you because it sounds like especially at the beginning it was like for the landlords it was very much sort of like we can offer everything that the letting agent does at a fraction of the price so it was at the beginning was it was it majority sort of competing on price yes competing on price and the service like a lot of landlords were getting really fed up with their letting agents there was just a real feeling that letting agents were outdated they weren't very good at customer service. A lot of landlords were quite shocked to see these horrible reviews online about their properties. And they were like, I don't want students to have a really bad experience in my five bed property. Like, I don't want that to be all over the internet. So you're just kind of playing on the annoyance that was already there. That's interesting. That's really interesting. Because you think, you think like, these letting agents are really awful for the students, but you always think like they must be amazing for the landlords. I don't know, because that's just in my mind, that's just how it might work. But because obviously students are more sort of, sounds quite terrible, but they're more sort of exploitable. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whereas, so I didn't really expect that. But I mean, it does make sense, right? Like if they're ship, if they're, oh, I shouldn't swear. <laughs> but if they're bad for one side, um, they're bad for the other side, right? So yeah, it does make sense to me. So it was more, so obviously you're competing on price, but you're also competing on like quality of service for, yeah. for everyone. Um, Customer service that's really interesting. A, a huge part of the student side as well, because I mean, just by being nice to a student in an email, like saying, have a great day, they'd be like, oh my God, you guys are actually replied to us and you're nice to us. And it was so easy to stand out because everyone else is either you're talking to a chatbot that you just can't communicate with, or you just, no one replies to you. Like, it's so easy yeah. to, to be like a decent human in this market. <laughs> These, these letting agents have really set the bar like crazy low, haven't they? But I mean, it's not your fault, is it? You're kind of just like coming in and facing the incumbents in the market, right? So it's like not your fault at all. But it's, it's, it poses a really cool opportunity. Um, so I guess like, so you made those sort of, that you made that Squarespace website, you started advertising it to Facebook groups on like for students. How many kind of like landlords did you get on board before you started going to, that, to those Facebook groups? Um, how many properties that's probably a better question i mean it really just I, I can't really say it really just grew at the same time like the more students we get we got on board and they would come to us and ask us oh, we, we need help finding this we would then just go and find those properties to match them up so it was growing at a relatively the same speed and then i mean our whole business model though is focusing more on the student side because as i said it's all about building the platform for the students unlike what's already out there and by doing so that that helps the, the landlord so just trying trying to prioritize the student side but also being fair like if you have to mediate a lot and put out fires a, a lot well in well in this job so you know if a student has has kind of messed around then it's about being clear about what their obligations are and what they need to do to, to not get into any further trouble Hybert is a fantastic case study of how to test the idea and test the, the, the solution on the problem that you're, that you're aiming to solve without actually building any technology and, and you know, spending any money on marketing. It's a fantastic case study. And the lessons that you mentioned, I'm definitely gonna be using it in my startup as well. And I strongly urge that you guys do too. But I want to move on to when some technology was built, at what stage did you decide to go to the route of angel funding and gaining investment? Because I know that's a question that a lot of you guys ask and it's a question that I'm thinking about at the moment as well. So yeah, I wanted to ask her that. And also plans for future investments in the future. So I think that things would have been different had we not launched in COVID. I think COVID made me 
very want to build a really robust business plan and kind of take no risks. So I was completely bootstrapped until about two months ago. I bootstrapped through our sales, generating revenue through our sales and also through winning entrepreneurial competitions. So I found that a really good way in applying to all of these different um, grants and schemes out there. So just it can be quite lonely starting a business and it's quite nice to to pitch your idea, hear feedback and and kind of see ways to carry on improving the business and and, and just yeah to kind of talk to someone else, um, do something a bit different. So we got um, funding from the new enterprise competition, a, a Bristol University of Bristol competition, funding from the Princess Trust, funding from Montagumi 100 Awards, which was like finding a young entrepreneurs disrupting real estate. Um, we we participated in the kind of NatWest Pitch of a Lifetime Bristol Property Awards, and then and then several different um, kind of competition just sort of talking about like you know companies that are doing disruptive things and I think it's a really good opportunity to get press and also to uh to get funding without giving access away yeah exactly yeah exactly right like so out of, out of all those competitions how much like grants grant money just to give an idea like how much money there is out there to win um how much how much did you raise from that grant from those grant funding opportunities um around 25k altogether mm. That's, that's pretty big like that's that's like that's a lot of money to kind of test new ideas and stuff like that it is it is really valuable we haven't actually won any grant funding yet i guess we're like we're quite young still it is really like those sort of those sort of like you do need time funds do, yeah you do like, yeah exactly time to, they take a lot of time to get back to you yeah. but also but there's like a lot of them out there you know so that's it is really it. sort of it is, it is amazing so i guess like you raised that sort of money so it allowed you to remain bootstrapped allowed you to kind of keep as much equity as possible at what stage did you decide to go through the sort of like angel investing routes so i think it comes to a point where you just need to grow the team because everyone's quite overworked in in your your kind of core founding team um and also just really wanting to spend some money on marketing because we're still very much just do guerrilla marketing uh techniques and we we still spend relatively nothing on marketing so we, yeah, when I got to that point of just wanting to bring more experienced people on in terms of marketing and sales, um, uh, that's that's the point where I decided to raise. So we're currently raising around £300,000 at the moment uh, to kind of close before February and also to help us expand into these new cities. So we've just entered seven new cities, so we're in eight in total. Mm, that's really cool. So, you, but, you, but you raised some money before as well, didn't you? Yeah raised um 100 well 300k is including the 100k we've already raised um from two angel investors so let's talk about that for a second because i know there's like a lot of sort of conversations around like how do you raise money how difficult is it to raise money all of this stuff i guess like how did you do it it was it easy like what was the sort of process that you used i know we talked about this a bit over the phone a few like a few weeks ago but like what was the process i think it really helps um one the competitions and any press that's kind of how we've managed to find angel investors, people interested in the business that you can first just use as a soundboard and then use them or their network to find other people who may be looking to invest in your industry. Um, and yeah, it just kind of gives you a good a good platform to, to kind of be able to, to come tell the world what you're doing. So yeah, PR opportunities and these competitions really help you lead to, to talking, finding the right people um, that can join your kind of board and invest in your business. 
So were, were those investors, the, those two angel investors that you mentioned, were they from, do they know of you from those sort of competitions? Um, one of them, yes. And one of them was kind of through a family and friends network, which is the number one network you need to tap into. You might have a cousin's friend's girlfriend's dog walker that has a lot of money and it's always good to, to yeah, tease out any any connections you can. So let's talk about, you mentioned it a bit before, but the sort of guerrilla marketing tactics to use because obviously, so my business, we're bootstrapped at the moment. I know a lot of the people listening, they have businesses or they're thinking about, you know, starting a business and they will be bootstrapped at the beginning uh, or they are bootstrapped right now. So I guess like which techniques did you use? I mean, you already, you already talked about some of them. Yeah, I guess like which techniques did you use? Um, so ambassador program was a really important one. Uh, Students feel very passionate about what we're doing, which is amazing, and have really wanted to get involved in the brand. So having ambassadors in each city that we operate in who can really help shape the direction of the business. We hold lots of focus groups and we also pay them. Uh, so it's good you know, pocket money and also help them build out their CVs to get employment after university. So it really fits into kind of our, our mission of helping students. Um, so the ambassador program has been amazing. Also just positive word of mouth reinforcement people telling their friends and helping us fill properties that way. Um, social media campaigns in terms of, we're not amazing at this, but we could be doing better, but using Instagram, posting funny, unique content. And people really want to be involved in a business's journey and you know, founders talking about what they're doing, et cetera. So you know, using social media can be such a great tool. Um, and then partnering up with universities, some of the smaller colleges around, around the university, don't have a rental advisor as such they don't have their own kind of student union netting so we partnered up with them um you know partnering up with student love brands as well um, and there are a lot of platforms out there i think that at first glance you're like wow we're, we're definitely competitors we, we shouldn't talk and then after a while you think ah um there's actually a way we can work together and, and both and both win through a partnership i hate using the overused word synergy but it's it is like the best word to describe that yeah, that's really cool. So I think was obviously it's really interesting because you use these sort of techniques and you grew fairly quickly using them without spending much money. And I think like that's the sort of techniques that I I think this podcast is very much about is trying to like make things, you know, create progress, create growth without much money. And I think like obviously I started this podcast for only like 50 pounds and it's like where it is right now. So I love those sort of stories where mm -hmm. the growth is like, you don't have to have a lot of money. You just have, to have like a lot of drive and passion to be able to, to ignite that growth. So I guess, I, I guess it's especially harder for you because, or it could be easier, I guess you could argue is that because you're obviously that that's two sided market. So when you're using these like, uh, marketing tools, like marketing strategies, you have to very much like, obviously you have to focus on like one at the one at the foot like at, at the beginning but then once that kind of grows on one side then the other the other side will also grow because that value like they're bringing the value you know what i mean mm. so i guess like did you did you encounter any problems or like because it was a two-sided platform specifically or did you not really think about it i mean there was always that question to begin with of like which side do we focus on and i think it just became clear over time that we wanted to focus more on the student side um, of course that means we still what we view it as we need to build the supply on our platform and have amazing relationships with our landlords to offer our students the best selection of properties on the market and make sure that we always have uh, a way of helping a student if they need last minute accommodation or there's been a dropout or anything goes wrong. So I think it's about in a two-sided marketplace, just knowing who you want to prioritize 
Um, but of, of course, you need to get a balance in the two to make it work. So let's talk about, I think, uh, yeah, you mentioned obviously Facebook, which is really good for the demand side. Obviously, Facebook's a massive platform. There's, there's a lot of different things on there. So how did you kind of use it to get sort of interest within from, from Hiber? Went through and found um, active Facebook groups with like freshers groups, uh, rental groups, groups where people ask questions, uh, tried to start our own Facebook groups and just posted that kind of just became known as the person who has accommodation that you can go to for questions and kind of just people were then referring my number around to other people to go to to ask for advice um but yeah just kind of posting as much as possible well and telling them about like the benefits of coming onto the platform and all this stuff not even I think hard selling really loses people just by saying what do you want and then here's a property that matches that description Oh, I would literally really do the work so for them. So you, so you, so you enter these Facebook groups with all these students, and you say like, "What sort of properties would you guys look for? Or what sort of properties do you, properties do you want?" Exactly. That's really interesting. And then some of them will say like, "We want this, we want this," and you basically just post it below them. That's a really interesting way because I think the default that a lot of people think is just to go straight in with the sales. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right; it loses people. And I think like what we encountered, even from the B two B side selling our cars to businesses is that we were at first we went in with kind of like trying to sell like straight away when we connected on LinkedIn wrong tactic mm -hmm. really wrong tactic we didn't get any sort of the connection rate was quite high because like people would add me on LinkedIn but then from the message not many people replied yeah. so we tried like different angles like trying to like you know make it more personalized telling them just a just telling them about the business just like as the introductory connection thing and the reply, the, the reply is really, really escalated from there. So I think you're completely right. You shouldn't go in straight away with that sales tactic. But I guess for you, you didn't even go in with the sales at all. You kind of just like put the property and they were happy with that. Yeah, no, but exactly what you said. Like, yeah, people are much more interested in something that's either personalized, um, catered for them, or it's just like a really interesting story. Yeah, for sure. And you still use, so you still use cold calling as well from the supply side. Yeah. Even like to this day. Yeah. That's really interesting. So it must be like really effective for you guys because obviously you guys have the money now to be able to scale it out a bit more, but cold calling is still really effective. Yeah. I mean, we're trying to trial a few more strategies, um, but one number one go-to is still cold calling because you just can close at most deals in the shortest amount of time um, and such at a low cost. See, that's one, that's one that I think a lot of young people have a lot of difficulties with. It's just yeah. like picking up the phone it's, and just calling. It's really hard. Like I used to literally sit up on my my phone just being like, you have to do it. You have to do five a day. And I just wouldn't be able to. Just the fear of rejection. You feel so annoying. But then again, like we said with the LinkedIn messages, if you find a way to make it just super useful so that you actually feel like, hey, I'm actually calling you up to help you to make your life easier, then that's a much better way of approaching it rather than just feeling like you're nagging people with a hard sale. So how how did you get the number in the first in the first place? Going through competitor websites and looking at like oh you still got a property available here. I've actually got a really lovely group of you know four engineering students who are looking to rent in that area. Mm, that's really interesting. So would they ever like be like oh how do you get my number like what what do, what do you want and all this stuff? Oh, I guess their number their phone numbers are already up there. Yeah, though, it's aren't not they? Quite. Yeah. Or it'd be like oh one of our ambassadors got it through their network or one of your students said that you were an amazing landlord. Mm, that's really interesting. But I swear like for the landlords their personal numbers aren't on these websites. It's more sort of it's just the the agencies that it's their numbers, isn't it? 
or are there websites where that you can go directly to the landlord exactly there, there are there are both options but there are a lot of people who just put their own phone number up I guess cold calling for anyone listening is still very effective um, if you are going down the route of any sort of businesses or anything like that it is very it is very sort of interesting but I think you did the same strategy for for cold calling that you did with the Facebook groups you already had sort of a, a group ready what's what's interesting as well is that you did you basically were doing what the the, the service that Hive was doing online but you were kind of doing it you were facilitating it all manually yeah. so you were kind of like you already had that group ready from I guess the Facebook groups and then you were cold calling like different places that would match them and saying like we've already had we were we have someone like ready to do that and they're kind of matching them together and I think that's such an amazing way to kind of test it and then get like gain that sort of landlord or that the student for like the lifetime yeah so yeah it's, it's amazing that strategy's like worked really well for you it's so what so many of these books and podcasts say it's like do things that don't scale to begin with like that doesn't scale but it makes you helps you realize what works what doesn't work what people really want and then you can automate that at a later date for sure i mean the first product for wing we didn't even have any we didn't have a website we didn't have any software i gave people a google form they filled out what links they want and i just made them i just made it them myself and sent it out to them so yeah exactly now we've got some software yeah um anyway hannah i think we have to wrap up there it was so amazing chatting to you a lot of great advice like i guess what what is the future for hyber we've got so many exciting things in store i think what you see right now from hyber is gonna look i mean the the kind of mission and like um what we stand for is going to say the same but we're completely changing the platform in terms of like the map, what features that you can get as a student wanting to offer an end-to-end solution and so much more kind of information and bite-sized uh, packets so that you feel like you've got all the legal um, support and guidance that you, that you need throughout your tenancy. And yeah, if anyone listening to this has any ideas or any problems that they've encountered while renting, we always encourage people to get in touch because that really helps us shape the future of the, of the product. Mm, for sure how can people how can people find you um you can find us on instagram at hyber h-y-b-r dot uk um our, in, our website is hyber.co.uk you can fill out a contact us form or you can contact me on linkedin or my email hannah at hyber.co.uk okay fantastic thank you so much hannah again and i'm sure we'll chat soon thank you so much thanks so much for having me Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Millennial Entrepreneur. It's such a pleasure to have you listen to the very end of the episode. If you did enjoy, please be sure to leave a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. And as a thank you, I'll give you a shout out in the next episode. Follow us on Instagram, follow us on LinkedIn as well. And thank you so much for listening again. And I'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks so much.